and welcome to the Fantasyland Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shorten. As always, very, very warm welcome to everybody listening on Spotify, on Apple, but also thank you to everybody listening and watching on YouTube. I also appreciate all the feedback that I've been given, overwhelmingly positive. As you can see, I have decided to, or you might be able to see if you're watching the YouTube, sorry for the people listening, I have decided to, to shave and get a little bit more lighting in here so I don't look as homeless as I did last week reviewing the videos. As promised, it is a big week coming up. We are talking rookies, but more importantly, I'm here obviously to, to get you through a couple of deep cuts. The top five guys, yeah. Your Cunninghams, your, your Greens, your Mobleys, they're all going to be Scotty Barnes, as much as I really want to talk Scotty Barnes, all going to be really, really popular. What that also means is that they're really going to be overdraft. So let's get straight into it with some guys who are going to be mid to late round on draft night, and they're going to have some really nice upside. So I'm going to go in reverse of the ones that I like. So at number five, we're talking Josh Giddy. So Josh Giddy, he's obviously an Australian-born product. 10.8 points last year in the NBL. Four, sorry, 7.4 boards, 7.4 assists, 1.1 steals. He rolled his ankle in the opening game of Summer League, so we don't really have any numbers to go off for that. But what we are noting and what we are looking at is there has been quite a lot of comparisons drawn to the Ball Brothers, to your um, to your Ben Simmons, to the guys who aren't necessarily going to be productive scorers and going to be consistent scorers, but they're going to contribute everywhere else. And most importantly, they see the game before it happens. The keys here, OKC reached for him. It was a surprise on draft night. It caught everybody off guard and... I don't bet against Sam Presti. Sam Presti is one of the best in the business. He knows what he's doing. They got him. They moved Kemba Walker. Teo Maladin, he has not impressed at all. And I think that they are sticking with their blueprint. Their blueprint in OKC is appearing to be at least get athletic players, ones that are able to play multiple positions, can defend multiple positions, and almost teach them how to shoot later or, or work out the scoring later. The OKC side, the OKC organization, they're in no hurry to make playoffs with something like 15, 16 players underneath the age of 25 on their roster. They're not going to make a splash in even if they do get there. We all know the war chest that they've got in terms of draft picks as well. So they're more likely to bring on a younger player and to give him minutes because they, A, want to tank a little bit, let's be honest, but also they want to get some development into those guys. What I really, really like about about Josh Giddy, what they really like about Josh Giddy is that he he runs the ball up the, the court and passes the ball up the court. They've got players who can move quickly. They've got a few scorers on there and it takes a little bit of the load or the ball um, handling load off Shea. Shea, I could be a little bit of a hot take here. It might be one that I am personally feeling. I think Shea's position is a, I think he's best played as a shooting guard. I don't think he's best being the primary ball handler as much as he has come leaps and bounds in that. He's not a natural when it comes to that. He's a really great defender. He's a really, really good scorer, but I think that they need a distributor. 
And that's what you're going to get with Josh Giddy. So he is somebody that I really do like towards the end of your draft, especially if you don't have your assists early. I stress getting your assists early, but if you don't, I would be looking at Josh Giddy as somebody who is going to potentially get you five or six a game and play a hell of a lot of minutes because that's what they're doing in OKC at the moment. Number two, we're looking at James Booknight. He is coming into the league with 18.7 points, 5.7 boards, one and a half triples per game. That is off five shots on 29% shooting, 45% from the field and 78 from the line. In the summer league so far, through four games, so obviously a small sample size, we're talking 17 points, 1.5 triples. Again, only shooting at 37% from deep. Not great. 2.8 boards, 3.8 assists, and under a steal and under a block, 45 and 70 in terms of percentages. It's pretty clear what's what's happening here. Charlotte, they've lost Devontae Graham. They've lost Malik Monk. And yeah, look, they probably could have kept them, but why would they pay to keep them whenever they could just get somebody who is going to fill that void straight away? He's going to get licensed with the second unit. He's going to have a ton of workload with that group because realistically, they don't have a a scorer off the bench. I'm assuming that Terry Rozier starts. I think that Kelly Oubre might come off the bench to start off with at least. He's not an amazing offensive guy. He's going to get his shots, but last year he really struggled with the extra workload. He's obviously a defensive first sort of player. James Booknight, he's going to have some really frustrating games, but he's also going to have some games that really make you you scratch your head and turn your head and, and pick him up off the waivers if you haven't already. I do like him as a end-of-the-draft sort of guy. He is not somebody that I'd be reaching for. He is going to probably go undrafted in a lot of places, but if you are okay tanking uh, field goal percentage and you need a bunch of points, he's probably a guy right at the end of the draft because he is going to get the opportunity. Davion Mitchell... I think I got that right, Davion Mitchell. He is he's somebody that I really, 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 really like. I he's got a lot of the things that I like in a fantasy player, mainly steals. 14 points, 2.7 boards, 5.5 assists, 1.9 steals last year, 2.1 triples, 51% from the field, and 65% from the line. Very nice, besides obviously the the free throw percentage, the volume's not really there. Summer league so far, obviously only three games, so we are talking, again, a really small sample size, but 13.7 points, 5.7 assists, two triples, 55% from deep. Really, really nice. 1.3 steals and 53% from the field. I am going to gloss over the fact that he has gotten to the line uh, 1.8 times per game and only made... I think he's made one shot in summer league in terms of um, from the line anyway. Concerns, Sacramento, they are deep. They have got a lot of guards there. So Buddy Heald, I don't imagine that he's going to be in a Kings uniform at least to end the year. He might be to start the year, but the he wants out. Kings want out. He's not happy with his role. It It hurts to say. But I really, it feels as though Sacramento are starting like a mini rebuild. So there's been rumors of De'Aaron Fox moving. There's been 
obviously heavy rumours about um, Buddy Heald moving. They buggered up the pick with Marvin Bagley. Obviously, they've signed Rashad Holmes on, but there's not a lot to love there. Tyrese Halliburton played really well, and Davion Mitchell is coming in as a defensive first guard. So in college, Mitchell was known as someone, or he was known as one of the better lockdown defenders coming into the draft, and Sacramento are in desperate need of that. Yes, statistically, Buddy Heald's going to get you a steal and a block. Um, Darren Fox at his at his prime, or well, shouldn't say prime, at his stealing prime, I suppose, a couple of years back was getting in nearly to a game. Statistically, yes, that's okay. But real life, Sacramento had the worst defensive rating last year. They let in third most points behind Washington and Minnesota. It would not surprise me if Davion Mitchell got minutes early and if they completely threw him in the deep end like they did with Tyrese Halliburton. I, as I said, I really, really like him. There's a lot of um, talk about him. There's a lot of people that are probably going to reach for him a little bit. If you get to 100 and he's there, I would genuinely be taking a, a, a punt at him. He's going to get you... 10, 12, potentially 14 points per game. He's going to get you potentially five assists per game, but most importantly, he's probably going to get you two steals per game. And I really, really like that. He is an aggressive defender. He's a smart defender. And I think that he's going to get the minutes, which minutes equate to um, to results whenever it comes to fantasy. The good thing is, like most rookies, or unlike most rookies, He's not going to burn you when it comes to percentages. If he does, he's burning off percentages might only be 45%, which is better than a hell of a lot of vets in this league. So I really like Davion Mitchell at around about the 100 mark, and he's somebody that is, if his steals are up there, he's going to annihilate his ADP, and you're going to be able to trade him up for somebody um, for somebody better if you need to. Um, probably going to butcher the pronunciation of this gentleman's name, but... Alperin Sengun. Hope I got that right. He is. He was drafted to um, to the Houston Rockets. He was somebody that I did not know anything about coming into the research for this podcast. But I am. The more that I read my notes and the more that I look at his game, I am drawn to be drafting him towards the end of the draft. And I think that he will probably similar to a couple of the other guys, will probably go undrafted. He is coming in, so he played in Europe last year, for those who didn't know, 19 points, 8.7 boards, 1.3 steals, 1.6 blocks, 63% from the field and 80% from the line. Pretty damn impressive. Summer league so far, small sample size in three games, 15 points, 11 boards, three assists, 1.3 steals and three blocks per game. 41% from the field, 63% from the line. So what can we take from that? He's just turned 19, so he's obviously really, really young. He was the Turkish League's MVP. He is going into a team that doesn't really have too much in terms of depth in their side. Obviously, they lost James Harden last year. They didn't get that much back for him. They are pretty lean at the power forward center slot. He can play both. They've got Christian Wood, Jay Sean Tate. I like both of those guys. Um, KJ Martin, he might be somebody who slides up to a four. 
but they are a bad team. They are really, really bad. So he's certainly going to get some opportunities to impress. He He's not a real big three-point threat, um, to be perfectly honest. So if he's they're probably likely to stagger him with somebody like a Christian Wood because Christian Wood can stretch the floor. He is really, really good back to the basket. He is creative both sides, um, both pivot foots, both weak side and and strong side. He is just as good front facing. Um, so with his opponent in his face, he is somebody who could very well average a double-double in his rookie year. He... I think he'll get his blocks, but he'll get his blocks at potentially at the cost of some actual real-life defense. Um, he's somebody who chases his blocks. He is likely to get them off the help defense, so he's a good help defender, but one-on-one, I think that he's going to get targeted, and there is certainly some opportunities there for his opponents. Having said that, you're going to get him with the last pick of your draft. So... I just think that there's complete upside here and there's not too many guys at the end of your draft that have got this sort of upside. It is reminiscent of a, or it's making me think of a, um, like a, a younger version, I shouldn't say younger version, like a, a Brook Lopez before he started shooting threes, um, a Miles Turner before he started shooting threes. Like he's got the right mechanics there. He just doesn't have the the shot at the moment. Like he only put up one and a half um, shots from deep per game. So it's there. Um, Houston can get coaches into to make that happen. But I really, really like this guy for the end of, draft picks if he is a forward eligible first sort of player even better most leagues are going to have some sort of a cap around centers obviously centers are at a a premium for the i suppose the the lack of those um good plays in those positions so they make it a little bit harder to um stockpile those so you're really going to have three four five center eligible players allowed on your roster if he is a forward or power forward first then center I reckon I'll be grabbing him towards the end of the draft because he is someone who could start off hot. So watch him. Uh, And finally, if you follow me on Twitter, you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that I'm falling in love with this next player. He's somebody who is top of my list in terms of players to draft at the end of, or rookies to draft at the end of um, draft night, the end of the, the, the final rounds at least. So Indiana... And their new coach, Rick Carlisle, I'm a Dallas fan, so it's good to see Rick Carlisle still got a, a home, still making some noise. Chris Duarte, again, I could have pronounced that wrong. My pronunciation is not amazing. 17 points. So coming in, 17 points, 4.6 boards, 1.9 steals per game, 0.8 blocks per game, 2.4 triples, 53% from the field and 81% from the line. That's last year. Summer league so far, again, we're only talking four games and it is a small sample size, but 18.3 points, four boards, four assists, two and a half steals, 1.5 blocks, 45% from the field and has made every single shot from the line. The key here, outside of all those stats, he's 24 years old. He's a 24-year-old rookie on a team that is has been making some noise when it comes to the postseason. 
They are a team that struggled from deep last year, so they finished 18th overall in uh, three-pointers made per game. And, yeah, that seems fine, middle of the road, thereabouts, all that sort of stuff. 12 teams below them, only two of those teams made the playoffs. So what that indicates to me is you're, you've got some really good talent around you. Like you've got your Sabonises, you've got um, you've got your Miles Turners, you've got your Karis Leverts, you've got your Brogdons, you've got deeper cuts in a TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb, but realistically, none of those are great three-point shooters. They've, they've had to add that into their game, but they're not three-point shooters. And Duarte's coming in as a three-point shooting specialist, as a 3-and-D sort of guy, as a Danny Green-type mold, where he's going to be able to make some impact straight away. You don't draft a 24-year-old rookie to have him sit on the pine. So I really, really like this guy to either come off the bench and make some noise, potentially even start, maybe not start of the year, but by the end of the year, potentially be starting. The other thing you need to look at is their health. Karis LeVert, unfortunately, he missed a few games last year. Brogdon missed games. TJ Warren missed games. Jeremy Lamb missed games. Um, They've lost Aaron Holiday. They don't have players who can stay on the court, so they need that depth. TJ Warren, Jeremy Lamb, they're on expiring deals. They're in the last years of their contract. So it all, everything adds up. If you're putting a pros and cons list together, everything adds up to Duarte getting minutes and him being actually productive. And whether that is a, obviously I love DiVincenzo. I think he played really well last year as much as the stats don't necessarily reflect it. I think he's got a fantasy-friendly, a um, Derek White type offense and defense as well that he's able to contribute fantasy, contribute in real life straight away. So I'm not going to go on about him too much. I will be posting a hell of a lot more about him in Summer League and a hell of a lot more about him whenever there is some updated ADPs and some updated rankings because he's going to be nowhere to be seen and he is right at the end of my draft, potentially even more. I only have him at the end of my draft because I think I can get him there, but I'm really, really excited about what he's going to bring to the table this year. I've run out of rookies to talk about. I'm thinking about doing a, a sophomore one for next week. I am definitely going to be doing a um, a tiering one as well, tiering for each position, point guard, shooting guard, small forward, power forward and centers, just to give you guys a bit of an idea as to what you should be looking at and when you should be looking at these sort of guys. I'm not going to go through all the players because 40-odd minutes like I did last week is is too long. So you can only look at my mug for so long. So until next week, thank you very much again for watching and listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Jump onto all the other socials and rate and subscribe there as well. And until next time, enjoy. Enjoy.